Hey, Wizards fans, welcome to this off-season edition of the Off the Bench Podcast presented by the Alibaba Group. I'm Chris Miller of Monumental Sports Network and NBC Sports Washington. Today, we catch up with Wizards General Manager Will Dawkins out here in Las Vegas and get his take on how this young crop of talent has progressed so far out here in the desert, namely what first-round pick Bilal Koulibaly has done so far to turn some heads. Also, we'll get Will's take on some of the moves that was made this offseason, namely Jordan Poole and re-signing Cal Kuzma. All that and so much more coming up on this edition of the Off the Bench Podcast, presented by the Alibaba Group with Wizards General Manager Will Dawkins. Wizards fans, Capital One Arena partnered with Clear to help Wizards fans get into the games faster for free. Beat the crowds on game day and enter through designated Clear Lane at the 7th and G Street entrance across from Clyde's. Download the free Clear app and get started today. Well, you've been working a lot. <laughs> Rest is kind of kind of optional these yeah. days, but we've had a couple of summer league games under the books. I'd love to get your take on what you're seeing from the young group. Yeah, summer league is a great time for everyone, staff included. I feel summer league is a place where people learn, grow, develop. You test your skills, kind of set some goals, some benchmarks, and kind of see if you can achieve them, and then go back afterwards and, and continue to work on your game before the season starts. And our young guys are really competing. They're getting after it. They're defending, playing hard. I think offensively they're trying some things, learning some things, and Landon's done a great job putting them in positions to be successful. So, Quick observation just from my perspective on Bilal is his defense is elite at this level to be 18 years old. And what he's able to do, you can tell he's played with professionals before. Yeah. Was that part of why you picked him was because of who he's played yeah. against and what his upside could potentially be? I think that contributes to it. It's part of the reason why we selected him for sure. A young guy like that who athletically is still growing into his body, um, his defense was always going to be ahead of his offense. And he's got a mindset, a competitive mindset to get after it, an ability to get skinny, get over screens, guard multiple positions. So in talking to the coaching staff, we said, let's try him out. Throw him out there, put him on the best guards, put him on the best wings, put him on some bigs, let's see what we have. And he understood the assignment and wants to get after it. But like you said, playing against grown men, um, this is not as big as a transition for him as it is for some of the guys coming directly out of college. You know, he had the one block in the first half against the Celtics where he kind of like looked down at the guy too. And that's, <laughs> that's part, listen, that's part of the NBA is there's some entertainment value to it, also the competitiveness. And he kind of did both of them. Where is he in terms of where you thought he would be today as opposed to where he could potentially be opening night? Yeah, he's got a lot of moxie. He's got a lot of toughness to him. He knows that in order to, to give it, you're going to have to get it sometimes as well. He's not afraid of that. I like guys that get after it and compete and have some bravado to him, but he's a humble kid. He's going to work, keep working, keep grinding. He knows he's got a lot to work on, and I expect his game to be at a different level than what it is right now. But for the most part, we just want him to get out there, have fun, play hard, and see what happens. I'd like to ask you about the young men that you got in the Golden State deal, specifically yeah. Patrick Baldwin Jr. and Ryan Rollins, who just plays like a Detroit tough kid. I mean, he got a <laughs> shiner and everything and kept, kept competing. Going. Uh, we'll get to Jordan in a minute, but just for those two young players in this summer, leaving a system in Golden State and yeah. coming to Washington, what are your expectations? I would say with them, the best part is that they wanted to play right away. Mm -hmm. They went to a team that was more established. It was harder to get playing time. And those are guys that we watched during the draft. And then you watch those guys do three-on-three warm-ups before the game, so you don't lose sight of them. And they were highly talented players. Um, when you talk about Ryan's story and how he grew and kept going and made a name for himself, and Pat's like a top five, top ten 
guy in the class who really got hurt, never really got to play while he was in college, and you don't see him play again, those guys don't forget how to play basketball. Um, you just got to give them an opportunity. And the second we agreed on the deal, they were like, we want to play, want to play summer league, get right after it and show what we can do. And getting a chance to let those guys play and get after it, and you see them on both ends playing hard. They ran at five steals the other day. It wasn't just the offense. Um, so they know what it takes. They've been around winning, and they're good young players to have in the system. And then to get a young man like Jordan Poole, who has championship DNA being a player that was in the rotation playing minutes, yeah. and to get him at, I think he's 24 years old. Yeah. The sky's the limit, it seems yeah. like him, potentially. I think the best part about him when you say that is he's 24, but he's a young vet. He's been around winning, knows what it looks like, has played in high-level games and played well in them. And he's going to get an opportunity here to where he's still going up on his career trajectory. He's not in his prime yet. He's a pre-prime player who has experience, who has skill set, and is coming to a city and a place that wants to embrace him and let him kind of continue to grow his game. He has that mindset. He's got the mindset to lead the group as well. And from all accounts on how he handled himself on and off the court in Golden State, top-notch professional. And there's a lot that they had to go through over there, and you're looking forward to adding someone like that into the building and the walls every single day. I asked him and Kuz the day that they had their press availability mm -hmm. about being already a champion. Yeah. You've got your money. Like, what is next? And clearly they didn't talk to one another, but they said the same thing essentially is, you know, yeah, we won championships, but now let's, let's be the guys in front of the team that, that has that experience yeah. that can help navigate the young players. When you hear a 28-year-old and a 24-year-old that has that kind of cachet already, yeah. that has to help in terms of how you guys plan on developing and building this organization. Their perspectives are unique, obviously, because they accomplished a lot and have been around Hall of Famers at an early age. But their stories will never change in terms of how they got it and how they worked and nothing was handed to them. So for them, the money, the winning, that stuff's part of the game and they enjoy that. But they're competitors and they're dudes that are putting it on for their families and the right reasons. So they're gonna compete every single night. And when you bring those guys into now more of a leadership role, they can kind of develop as men, develop as leaders. And that's the part that you really smile about at night when you're like, all right, these guys are taking that next step as humans, as leaders, as professionals, and their game's still doing this at the same time. So the money that matters, the awards and achievements matter to every player, but to them, how they do it and how they go about it is the most important thing and what people think of them when they do it. And they're both authentic to themselves, know who they are and want to be in Washington. Mm -hmm. And that's important to us. You and Michael got right to work. I remember the press availability when you guys first got here, you kind of laughed and like, <laughs> that was yeah, a blur. That was a blur. It's time to get to work. Can you describe what this team kind of looks like now? I, I think you probably still have some more work to do, but going into training camp, what is the identity of this team this year, you think? I think when Mike and I first took the job, we really wanted to slow down um, as much as we could, mm -hmm. assess the organization, assess the roster. Um, when we talked to Ted, he was like, full reign, do whatever you guys need to do. Um, it's your team, your decision, do whatever you think is best. And he's been great to work with on all that stuff. So we took the time to assess and realized that we needed to reshape a few things. But we thought we would, what we would do would bring in a young group of guys support them with some veterans that have done it before who are going to get after it on both ends, compete and play a style of basketball that's unselfish. And guys that are skilled with the ball, but also know how to play off the ball. And a team that has young veterans willing to grow 
and a Tyus Jones and a Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma, those type of guys that are going to push the young guys and support the, the rookie scale guys, per se. And then there's guys that I've been around that are really good vets and high-level players that still want to prove some stuff themselves. So it's going to be a competitive camp. I get asked this, and I said, oh, I'm just going to ask the boss. Instead of just tearing it all down, yeah. you got to decide not to do that. Can you explain why you decided to go the route of the pools and re-signing the Kuzes and why you feel like a more competitive team, day one, you see that better as just stripping the whole thing down? Yeah, I think you, when you first do anything, like we talked about, we sat down, we assessed, tried to see where we're at. We've got a lot of good players on the roster. And you got to kind of look and see what makes the most sense for you in that time. And for us, it's about building habits. It's about building a day-to-day -day mentality that you come in the gym, you compete, you do things the right way. And we need guys that embody that. And when you have opportunities, when you're making these deals and having these decisions to come up with high-level competitors and high-level humans who want to get better, you're going to go after those guys. At the same time, we're reshaping the team in terms of gaining draft assets, um, gaining tools you can use like traded player exception. So we're going to be strategic. But in the short term, we're not going to miss a chance to bring in high-level talent. There are three players that I think of that was on the roster a year ago that are still here. When you think of Daniel Gafford, Denny Avdia, Corey Kispert. As we speak right now, what did you like about those young men to keep them with the group uh, as we get to opening day? They're each unique and different in the skill sets that they bring to the team. And when you're putting a team together, you want those types of players. Guys who can space the floor, guys that can defend, guys who can make decisions with the ball, guys who can eat the rim. So they all have value in the NBA and they have value to us. So when you speak with them, speak with their representation and put a team around those guys, they're all still getting better. They're all still really good workers, and they all really want to be a part of what we're doing right now. So for us, it was an easy decision to make sure we're investing in those guys while we're investing in the young guys and adding some vets to support the group. As I look at how you've been a part of teams in Oklahoma City that have built rosters, mm -hmm. this kind of looks familiar, Will, when you look <laughs> at how Bilal plays. Mm -hmm. It kind of looks like some of the people that you drafted, developed, and tried to retain in OKC. Is there a certain player mm -hmm. type that you just like and you like feel like that's a part of a group that you have to have? Yes and no. I think that when you're drafting, it's never going to go perfect. The board's going to move around. You try to find guys that you can believe in as people first. And then secondarily, you try to find guys that have upside, especially early in the draft, with a work ethic to achieve it. And whether that looks like a guard, a big, a wing, the way the game is transitioning, guys who can play multiple positions are the ones who are able to stay on the floor. And the guys that defend in the playoffs are the ones that are going to stay on the floor. So you could find someone young who's still growing, still developing, has all the measurables, but also a mindset to want to defend. That's what's made it easier for us. Um, I wouldn't say we have a type, but our type is guys that compete, guys who get after it, guys that can move, are athletic, and are unselfish. And he checks the boxes on all of those. And the IQ part, obviously, you hear coaches in the NBA talk about, I like to have guys that have high basketball IQ that know how to play the game. Yeah. Is that a part of also the equation of developing a player? No doubt. No doubt. Basketball isn't just skill set on the court drills you're doing anymore. You're working with a mental coach. You're working with a performance. You know what you're putting into your body nutrition. Um, but the upscaling of the IQ and how to read the game is really, really important as well. The film sessions that you're putting in. And I think when you bring in a Tyus Jones, he brings enough of that for a lot of people at the same time. 
just knowing where people should be, putting people in the right spots. Had a chance to sit down with him at the game. He's pointing stuff out. He's like, oh, we're going to work on that. We're going to work with that. Um, he protects the ball and gives you more possessions. So all that stuff rubs off. And you bring in a Gallinari, a Mike Muscala, those type of guys that have been around and know how to play and have been on winning programs. It's just really going to add to the IQ and the acumen of the group. Your first draft class were two players you drafted from overseas. Mm -hmm. What is happening in Europe and other countries where basketball seems to be gravitating to the NBA yeah. at a, probably a rate higher than many people probably thought? I think everyone knows the game is more and more global now. Almost a quarter of the league is international players. And where I think the gap has been made up is the level of coaching that's being consumed by the guys in those countries now to where we had more resources before, we had the coaching, but now things are easier to find, easier to share. Coaches are coming over here, bringing some stuff, bringing it back. And those guys are learning at an early age now some of the same things that kids in America are learning. And the advantage they have is that we get to see them play against grown men um, to where we're not watching EYBL, we're not watching high school, we're not watching the college, where they're going up against their peers, which I think is extremely beneficial. But at the same time, we get to see that in the world competitions, and then they go play against grown men, and we can see how they can function physically and, and compete in those situations. And a lot of times, those leagues are more physical. Um, a lot of times, those leagues are slower. You beat people up. So you get to see how they respond to physicality and toughness. But the training and the level of these guys, they see it, they compete against it, and they want it just as bad. And the leagues in Europe have gotten much, much better because of the coaching and the development and the resources that are being poured in now. I want to ask you about Bradley Beal. This is the first time we've talked since the trade happened. But I, I, I do want to mention something, uh, full disclosure. Brad and I spoke afterwards, and he talked about the professionalism of you and Michael, of how you handled a situation that could have been difficult. Yeah. Can you speak to how both parties made that work and both got the best out of that deal? Yeah. I think a lot of it goes to Brad, to be honest, who he is as a person. When we first got here, I didn't have a personal relation with him, but I obviously had spent a lot of time in the league, him as well, and around the same people. But when I got to Washington, it was quickly easy for me to realize the impact he had in the community, the impact he had on the court, obviously, but in the walls and with his teammates. And he's going to go down as an all-time wizard. And the approach that he had when we had our dinner and spent with the time with each other, it was open, it was authentic, it was honest, and I understood why everyone said what they said about him. And from that point, he's got great representation. They were upfront, they were honest. And at the end of the day, you wanted to do something that was mutually beneficial for both parties. And when you go into it with honesty and a, a true um, intention of doing what's best for the other person and for someone that deserves it, it made it easy. So I, I give all the credit on that to Brad. I'm glad he said that about me and Michael, but um, we're happy with what we got back in return. I think it's a great opportunity for Brad, but also a really good opportunity for people here to kind of step up and fill in the gaps in some of those things. And I think there's people who are willing to do that and excited about doing that, which excites me. All right, it's time to get all up in your business. Got to go. I want to know, how did Will Dawkins end up in Oklahoma City? Oh, wow. Um, my steps were ordered. I'll say that. I do okay. believe in a higher power. But sometimes it's a who you know business. Mm -hmm. And... When Sam Presti first got the job in Seattle, he was looking for a grunt intern he could run to the ground. And fortunately, <laughs> Sam and I played at the same school. And Hank Smith, our college coach, who's one of a kind, who instilled all this hard work and dedication and be great at your craft, a mindset to never give up, Sam gave him a call and said, I need someone that I know will be able to kind of hang in there with me. And coach recommended me. 
And from then I did my best not to get kicked out of the door. So that's kind of how it happened. So you said intern. Intern, yeah. What's the worst thing that they made you do as an Ooh, intern? Because as somebody that's been in the television business for oh. 25 years, I remember being an intern. There was some, the laundry, the yeah. coffee, the, you know, getting the car washed. You didn't have to all do any of that. Yeah. All those things. All those things. Laundry, <laughs> long walks to the grocery store, bringing everything back. Um, the worst probably was I was coming off East Coast time. And you go to the West, and everyone has the late direct flights. And this is before you could check the flight trackers on your apps. Mm -hmm. I got to, like, run into the hotel and see what time the flight is landing from a player, pick him up at 2, 3 in the morning, bring him to his hotel. And as an intern, you better be there at 6 o'clock for the lights are turned mm -hmm. on. So the lack of sleep probably over time, over time, was probably the worst part. But I wouldn't trade any of it. Um, I got to learn so many different roles mm -hmm. and gain an appreciation for what really goes into everything and then can relate to everyone in the business and within the building. So... For me, it was the best learn baptism by fire type deal. Have you given yourself a chance to kind of look back at your journey to see that kid that was an intern <laughs> to now being a general manager of a basketball team in the greatest basketball league in the yeah. world? No, not really. Not really. I will one day. Um, but my family's done a good job of pumping me up and making me feel good about it. But the drive, the motivation, um, that comes from them. That comes from when I was very little growing up in Springfield, Massachusetts. And the people around me so they let me know but they also keep me humble and keep me ready to go so when the book is written and the story is all done we'll have time for reflection but like you know you get any job you want to do your best yeah you're blessed there's not many of them i'm fortunate and i just want to do the best i can so i'll take care of that later on when you wake up each day you know being out here in vegas are you allowed to think about what five years looks like or are you so dialed into today i think there's always that distant picture of what we want this to look like. Mm -hmm. um, trying to envision two, three, four years from now when people are like, what's the Wizards culture? You can spit it out mm -hmm. right away. What's a Wizard player look like? You can spit it out right away. On draft night four years from now, I'm like, oh, that makes sense, he's a Wizard. Um, so I'm always thinking big picture. I'll never not do that. There'll be a plan and a, and a plan for the plan, but you can't skip the steps in the short term and embrace those days and be involved in it and be present where your feet are. That's most important. Um, but I'd be doing a disservice to the organization if we weren't thinking big picture at the same time. I'm thinking about Wes, too, as he's getting ready to be handed this team to get <laughs> ready for training camp. What are you handing him? TBD. I think Coach has a lot to do with that, a lot to say with that. We've picked the players, um, select the players. He's involved in that. We're making sure that we have a, a tight relationship. But the style of play and the way we're going to function, he has the pieces and he's going to make what's best for the team. So. He knows the type of talent he's getting, um, but I think it's on him and his staff to kind of really sit down this summer and get a better feel for the guys, what may work, throw plan A, plan B out there, and kind of see how we can best do the goals that we have, best achieve the goals that we have for the organization, being higher offensively rating, being higher defensively rating, playing together, those type of things. And I feel really confident that he'll achieve that and use the pieces that we have in the best way possible. My last question is about analytics, and I'm so interested to know 15 years ago, what did analytics look like then compared to what you deal with today? 15 years ago, it was like dial-up, internet. I felt like <laughs> on my mom's computer trying to do like a stat spreadsheet as an intern. I was like, oh, I'm coming back. Um, now it's so evolved, and Kathy and her team with the Wizards do a tremendous job of building out draft modeling, but also building out assignment depth and lineup depth and how you can use players situationally in a game. So I'm still learning everything that we do with the Wizards, but what I've seen so far has been really, really impressive and exciting. There's a lot of talented people in the building and I'm looking forward to tapping in.
Will, your time is appreciated. No. Enjoy Vegas. Enjoy, enjoy your house hunting. Good. House hunting. Good luck looking for it. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.